Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, and here on the Foxy Podcast we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 171 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you're listening from. On this installment, I'll be digging into the work of the Chicago-based independent label Trouble in Mind Records. Started in 2009 by the husband and wife team of Bill and Lisa Rowe as their band Coco Coma was starting to wind down activities. Trouble in Mind has evolved from a 7-inch single only imprint into one of the finest purveyors of a broad range of underground rock and pop music, issuing releases by numerous favorites of the show including David Nance, Mountain Movers, Dick Diver, and countless others. It's a label that has released some of the more interesting guitar-centric music in recent memory. This past week, I had a chance to speak with Bill and Lisa about the label's past, present, and future activities, and about some of the considerations that have gone into running Trouble in Mind for over a decade. You'll hear that interview broken up to a few different segments throughout the show. And in addition to that, you'll hear a bunch of music from the Trouble in Mind catalog too, focusing pretty heavily on releases from the past few years and including some forthcoming material. Before we get into that first interview segment, I'll start off with a short block of music, beginning with something from Olden Yoke's 2019 album Living Theater. This is the track Grand Palais.
so from what I've read, you started up Trouble in Mind as your band started to kind of wind down activities. So, and you mentioned that this was a means for you two to stay involved in this area of music to some degree. I mean, was that sort of the general circumstances for how the label was born back in 2009? Yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially it. Um, I had sort of been thinking about it for a long time and just never had the wherewithal or just, you know, gumption to just go ahead and do it. And then Lisa's an incredibly good motivator, <laughs> um, where she's like, we should just do it. And then we just do it. Uh, and so that's, yeah, I mean, we were, Lisa, she was pregnant with our daughter, Ronnie, and it was just a sort of, I don't even know how we even, it was just, we just, we're think, just talking about it. Yeah, day. we, I mean, the, band Coca Coma was sort of winding down a little bit, but we had recorded some songs recently. Oh, yeah, and right. um also we had been going through like our storage space and Bill was like, Well I have all these comic books and our these old bikes that we have and maybe if we sold my comic books and the bikes we would have enough money to hundred records. And so the yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, okay, well if we do 500 of those and we can sell through those and that would fund the next record. And sort of the, it really all started with just the idea like, okay, if we could put something out, sell those, that allows us to do another one and just continue that cycle and 10, 11 years later. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, the, the gist the whole the, way through. Right. I mean, it was just sort of by default that our band was the first one just because we were like, okay, we're like popular enough, I guess, you know, and we could sell through this amount of records. Um, and so, but really like the first record would have been the White Wires record, which was the second single we put out. But it was just sort of like, I don't really know. No, does anybody even know this band? I have no idea. And so, yeah. you know, it was yeah, just sort yeah. of like, well, at least we'll have a little nest egg and we don't have to worry about it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll ask the next question, but before I do that, sorry about the comic book collection, Bill. <laughs> um, well, I also read in an interview that you two did several years ago that you both came from pretty like musical households um, that Lisa, your father, in fact, had managed Devo for a brief period of time in Ohio. Is, is that correct? Or did I read that? Misread that? Yeah, no, I mean, my dad was the station manager at the Kent State radio station um, and he doesn't talk about it a lot, but my mom sent me this like out of the blue envelope that had um, like press clippings from Cleveland music from like the early seventies. And then there was a letter from my dad to stiff records, like offering to license Devo's like early music. Um, and so at the one point I was like, why didn't you ever mention this to my father? And he's like, well, you never asked. Uh, so, typical, but, typical of her dad. Yeah, but so at some point, I think, because they moved to Los Angeles pretty early, and my dad was working his way, like, my parents had a record store in Kent, um, and then, yeah, so definitely raised in, like, a musical family with records, you know, on the floor all the time, and, like, one of my early memories was... Um, they always had a copy of the Doors biography, No One Here Gets Out Alive, which, and like when I was like seven, I was like, that guy looks so cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah. so was I, that? 
Was that the was that like the group then that kind of gave you the bug to start collecting? Was that your kind of uh, introduction into like really being obsessed? Worth that much credit, but <laughs> I will say that uh, it was definitely one of the early bands that my parents liked that I liked. Um, for me, it was honestly like REM when I was like ten or eleven was like my band. Um, and but I will say that Bill's definitely more of a collector, like throughout our relationship than. Sure. And he buys everything, so I don't <laughs> <laughs> buy everything. Yeah. Bill, did you did you start at a pretty young age too, getting into like buying records and and collecting records? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always interested in music in general, just listening to it on the radio. Um, and my dad, my parents are divorced, and they have been for a very long time. But when my dad was around early on, when we go on, you know, just road trips or just you know go to Fort Worth, or I'm from Texas originally, and so you know, we'd go to the next town over to go shopping or whatever. He'd always have the radio on and he would always, I remember specifically, he would always explain who it was and just give a little factoid or explain why they were important. And that always stuck with me. And I think that, you know, for better or worse, laid the the bedrock of my interest in music. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, I, the first record I bought with my own money was Thriller, you know, and I still have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the first single I ever bought was like this like joke novelty 45 by Jump in the Saddle. You ever remember those guys? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Curly Shuffle. You remember the Curly Shuffle? Yeah. But I was like, uh, you know, it was like seven. So Yeah, I do recall being on the elementary school playground trying to figure out how Michael Jackson did the moonwalk when he after that live national appearance. Yeah. Did you have a similar did you master the moonwalk, Bill? Uh master it, no. I did many, attempts. many attempts. And still, still do. Still do. <laughs> still do. Whenever it's your time to like break out dance moves, you resort back to the moonwalk era. Huh? I go to always. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess my my next question would be is like, how did you two get involved and cross paths and start working together musically with your band? Uh, well, I mean, we met at a show that one of my old bands was playing. Uh, I was in a band for a year or two called Stag Party, and we were just sort of like, we all worked at a local record store called Dusty Groove, and it was just the like four, four well, except for the lead singer, but the rest of us all worked at this record store, and we were just sort of like, like our friend was having a birthday party, and she was like, you guys should form a band and play my party, and we were like, yeah, sure, why not? And so we practiced once and wrote like four songs and played our party, and it was just sort of like, you know, sort of post-punky, dancey, disco-y kind of thing. And, you know, very, like, slightly no-wave, but, like, not... I'm, that's giving us too much credit, probably. <laughs> um, but, so, we formed this band, and then we ended up opening all these crazy shows, but then we opened for the Makers one time, and it was on the 3rd of January. Mm -hmm. And Lisa came to the show, and we played... And she thought I was cute, I guess. <laughs> and the rest is history. So that's how we came, you know, cross paths, I guess. Yeah. But. And so then I feel like uh, it must have been, we Coco Coma didn't start for a couple more years after that. Yeah. And so we just, you know, I played guitar and Bill played drums. And so eventually we just sort of 
uh, started playing yeah, together. Yeah, started playing together. And, and then, yeah. I mean, we were only a band for six months, and then we got invited to play Gonerfest. I think just because we just were like, hey. Yeah. And Lisa was in another band called Headache City for a while, and we were like, well, Lisa's, Lisa's other band that I'm in, we could play, because <laughs> this other band. Um, yeah, and, Headache and City was already playing in South Coca-Cola, and yeah. then after that, Goner asked us to put out a single, and so we were like, oh, I guess we're really going to do this band. <laughs> and so it sort of, it sort of it just all sort of happened, right, naturally. That's great. Well, you mentioned in other places that you both, in, in terms of running the label with, with Trouble in Mind, that you have to agree on a release for it to come out. And I was just wondering if, if your tastes are pretty aligned or have there been instances over the years where it's been like significant debate or like convincing one another like yeah maybe this this is the right thing or this isn't the right thing for the label what I that mean, what has that process been like i mean i feel like our tastes are fairly in line for the most part i yeah. mean there's never been like a huge blowout where we're like you're so wrong <laughs> how could you not understand that this is great there's yeah. never been anything like that um, but I mean, there's a, been a, a few times where she's just like, I am not feeling this. And I'm like, but I do. And then, you know, yeah. but I mean, the good thing is there are always more bands that we both love. Yeah. There's, you know, there's so much music out there. That's great. And I mean, the, it comes down to the fact that I have to be the one to be like, we can't put out everything. So, right. you know, yeah. at a certain point, I want to put out everything, <laughs> but we can't. Yeah. Um, but in general, when we both know, we both know. Oh, and yeah. It's like, then. It's, it's usually like, it, it, I mean, it usually is where we're, we're listening to something, either somebody submitted it or, you know, I'm trolling around the internet listening to bands or something. And, you know, she'll, she'll be like, what is this? And I'll be like, oh, it's so-and-so. Or, you know, somebody will send us something and I'll listen to it and be like, that was fucking good. Bill totally does this thing where we'll be driving and he'll just like sneak things on that he wants to <laughs> And then I think he knows that if I'm like, what is this? And then it really has to be like the third time I ask, like yeah. a week later. Like, and he's like, you have asked me this twice now. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, uh, be honest. Are you like planning your road trips like with the uh, pre like <laughs> burn CDR? Like, hmm, have you heard this before? Oh, what's this thing? Oh, let me just pop this in. Let's just like, check it out. I haven't heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> that's I would great that far but yeah. <laughs> well uh, i guess aside from just agreeing on releases how else do you two kind of delegate and manage just the day-to-day -day operations of the label i know lisa you have your hands full with uh work outside of the home and stuff like that so how do you to kind of take on what it what it what it takes i guess to to manage just a a small independent label I mean, I, I handle most of the day-to-day -day stuff, like the packing orders, answering emails for the most part, um, you know, putting releases and templates and sending off the masters and setting up orders and doing all that. Um, and then, you know, it's usually like on the weekends or, you know, after work, we'll yeah. have a quick meeting or talk about yeah. stuff and we'll go over finances and whatever. She's the money spreadsheet. Person. She's the spreadsheet lady. I'm, person. I can't do it. Yeah, I do the... The, the fun stuff, right? Uh, but yeah, I think like we check in sort of early in the week and yeah. sit, like talk about what the priorities are. And, um, but like we talk constantly, all we do is yeah. talk and talk about music and stuff. So it's, 
at a certain point, it just has gotten to a point where it's sort of... It's just a flow. It flows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be great in the future if the kids do go back to school so Bill can <laughs> have a couple hours to actually focus right. on work. Yeah. I mean, uh, I will say that's been the one thing is it's... And, you know, again, I'm happy that they're here and safe, but, you know, I, I just... it's I have a hard time... I've had a hard time lately just keeping my head straight and keeping my thoughts straight uh, about, oh, here's what I have to do today. And I'll just be like, oh, what was I doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you know, I think, every, I think like, we're all feeling that right now. Quarantine like, brain is just like a... Right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, when you guys started Trouble in Mind, it was, it was initially just devoted to releasing 7-inch singles. So at what point did you decide to to move away from that format and then shift to doing full-length LPs. And I guess, you know, since that's happened in a lot of ways, you've pretty much just kind of walked away or abandoned the 7-inch format. And, and I guess maybe I should just ask, is it is it just simply too difficult to release music in that, or on that format, rather, in today's musical landscape? Is it just not practical anymore? Uh, I mean, yeah, we were kind of discussing this recently, and I think, you know, we still love the idea of seven inches and um like early on for us it was just great because it just so happened that we had lots of friends and amazing bands that um like when you ask someone to do a seven inch it's not a gigantic commitment right they can give you a couple songs and you can get it produced relatively quickly um i do think for us sales of seven inches had have declined over the past few years for sure yeah um, and then it also is even more rewarding to get 10 songs instead of two or three songs. Um, and so there's, you know, more to sort of doing LPs that, you know, yeah. we really enjoy doing. I mean, ultimately it was, you know, we had done a single with the Lemignanas and, uh, Leo sent us like a bunch of tracks and was like, maybe we could find a single and do another single here. And it was like, you know, 10 or 12 tracks. And we were like, these are all amazing. Like, can we just <laughs> a record instead? And he's like, oh, sure. I thought you only wanted to do singles. And we we're like, oh, well, I mean, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, just, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. It just, yeah. That makes sense. Well, one of the things that I've been impressed with, with Trouble in Mind too, is that you've remained pretty committed to releasing music by relatively new and emerging artists over the years. You know, if you look through the catalog and I believe there's really only been like two instances of reissues with the dentist reissue and the Del Shannon one, but you know, I mean, is keeping the label focused on quote unquote, the new Ben something that's been important to you too. And I think that's pretty admirable in this day and age where it's like, reissues are all the rage you know where that's been such a huge focus and trying to get new artists and for lack of a better word break new artists is pretty challenging so what has kind of been your general mindset or position on like working with new artists like that um i mean it's it's not really been a conscious decision necessarily it's just you know i i mean even when i'm not working on stuff at the label i'm you know, on Bandcamp, looking at bands, listening to music, I'm at the record store, you know, more, more in the past than lately, but, you know, in person at the record store, flipping through the racks, listening to stuff. Um, and, you know, I just have a pretty voracious appetite in general for new music. Um, 
I also like the old stuff too, don't get me wrong. But um, I just think it's more exciting, I guess, for, for us. Like I like discovering a band or just having a new band that maybe only has a single out or something and and just hearing them progress and helping them, you know, achieve their goals. Yeah, um, I mean, and we just have always said, like, we think that we're better cheerleaders for yeah. bands than we were ever were in our own band. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to be a cheerleader for the championship team, but it's, you know, when it's a ragtag crew of misfits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, it, more rewarding. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to play something from a band that was pretty new to me when this record came out. It was the record from Omni, their album called Multitask, which I think was the, was the second record that you put out by them, correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to play the track called Equestrian, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about kind of some of your current activities. <laughs> Yeah. 
We just wrapped up uh, that set of music. There was something from the French duo, the Liminianas, who you had mentioned previously. It was from an album of theirs that came out in 2010, which I believe that was that was the the record you were referencing, right? The first, yeah, the, yeah. The, the first uh, full length that we were talking about. So, you know, when you look over and kind of consider the Trouble Mind and how it's developed over the years, I mean, has has it been rewarding for you to kind of see how this this catalog has evolved both stylistically and also just kind of the scope that it's taken on in terms of like all of these international artists. I mean, I think when you look early on, I would imagine, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure a lot of the early stuff is like, hey, these are our friends. Let's put out their record. Now it's like, wow, it's like, you know, artists from all over the world that you're really sort of championing. Has that been, has that been rewarding for you to kind of see how this has evolved over the last decade and plus now at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, rewarding is a word I would use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think if 
we would look back on it, it it has evolved in a way that's a little bit unexpected, but we've always been sort of just open to what we hear and we love. Um, And it definitely has been amazing to, you know, you know, a lot of the international bands, um, maybe more with uh, Australian bands, we sort of know them, but some of the European bands we didn't necessarily know at first, but have become friends with them and they've come here and toured and we've gotten to visit sometimes and um it's just been even better of a sort of life experience than just you know putting out a record by a band so yeah definitely has been pretty amazing and i think if you were to like look at our record collection it would be representative of of that you know it's we don't just you know listen to garage records or punk (laughs) records or you know, psychedelic records, like it's, it's everything. Like we've, you know, I have, I love jazz and we listen to like experimental music and just like everything. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Is there, is there a point though? I mean, do you try, I mean, I know that the, you, you have branched out considerably. Is there, I mean, do you feel like there is a limit though? Like there's, is there going to be the most over the top sound poetry record or something down the pipeline? (laughs) Does there have to be some, core element does it have to be like song oriented to be a trouble in mind record would you say uh no not necessarily i mean i don't know if there's a specific sort of like thing that we're looking for it's just a thing you know like we know when we hear it sort of a thing um i you know a friend actually just texted me today and was like hey do you think you guys would ever put out like a neo soul like sade style like r&b record and i was like i mean i don't ever say no but i would have <laughs> a record obviously you know but like yeah. i mean who knows like something catches our ear who knows yeah yeah well i, I asked that simply because it kind of ties into the next question i want to ask you is about uh this new explorer series that you yeah. have this new uh cassette series you know you've done or you have a few of these kind of in the pipeline right now and if i'm not mistaken they're they're going to be released fairly soon um but on the website it mentioned that you know the idea is not necessarily to distract or differentiate these artists from other trouble in mind releases or artists but merely to shine a a second light on them and i I was wondering if if part of that was to work with more like long form works and kind of take advantage of the cassette format for that because i'm looking at a few of the things that you've posted already definitely like the longer form like psychedelic approach or something like that is that the general idea for that series yeah for sure i mean it's it's another thing too where like you know we've put out a few sort of like experimental or just sort of like non-song kind of records here and there and it was just sort of like we sort of haven't really done that in a while and i just I don't know. I just, I wanted to get sort of back to it. And, and really it was sort of like, okay, quarantine had just started here. And I was like, okay, what's something that, you know, we had already had like a bunch of releases in the pipeline, like LP releases in the pipeline and planned out and they were already in motion. And it was sort of like nothing new was really coming in necessarily. So I was like, what's a good way to like keep it going and keep me sane and working on something. And so you know, our, our friends had this ambient duo project, the Levinson Malmeister thing, and uh, I had been listening to it on Bandcamp for a while, and I was just like, let me just ask them if they want to put it on a cassette, and maybe we'll just start up this thing. And it's it's really what I really wanted to sort of 
consciously be sort of like more outro kind of sounds and like not necessarily song based um mm -hmm. and just sort of like i don't know reach out a little further and i think definitely the the cassette format is uh you know conducive to that yeah for sure right right we and also a love for like old new age cassettes too so yeah. we've kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. gotten to scratch that yeah. itch a little bit too create our own private press new age right. cassettes. i think those types of sounds have been pretty necessary during the last what seven months <laughs> or whatever for sure <laughs> i think we've all been uh, returning to a lot of that kind of music so well yeah that's a a, a great a lead in, I guess, how has COVID, you know, and the numerous challenges and just like the unrest and craziness that, you know, we've been dealing with throughout this year, how has that impacted trouble in mind? And I guess how you've just been operating, you know, obviously it's impacted bands and the ability to tour and all that sorts of stuff, but has it altered other aspects uh, for the label? And I guess just kind of the decision-making process and how to put things out into the world right now? I mean, we're always pretty conservative just with our decision-making, um, just because we're a very small label. We run it out of our house um, and we want to be able to keep going. So um, I won't say that it's like affected huge decisions in terms of like what we put out or like how no. many. Um, I mean, I guess we do have to consider that, you know, bands aren't necessarily going on tour anytime soon. So, like, we're not going to be pressing, like, a surplus that they might need on tour. I mean, to be honest, it's, there's no upside of this to having a label. You know, it's like we love going to see music and we love hosting bands when they come through Chicago. And we miss all of that all terribly. That. <laughs> uh mm -hmm. So, I mean, it really is just sort of like hunkering down and making sure, you know, everybody's hanging in there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my, my day to day hasn't changed all that much. It's really, you know, it's really impacted, I would say, you know, there's been some pressing time, you know, lags and, and things like that. Certain uh, instances like regions have closed and the distributor lets us know and things like that. But the, I mean, the biggest impact has just really been for the bands, and that's really where we're trying to maintain the most, like helping them out through the band camp days when we can, and then, you know, just really, you know, lending an ear when they want to talk, basically, you know? Right, 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 right. Being as supportive as, as we can right now. You know, maybe it, it's a little bit uh, cliche to ask this, you know, so far into this pandemic, and really uh maybe kind of a strange we're we're recording this on a very strange day <laughs> for yeah. sure but i guess you know has this period of time you know this like you, you mentioned that it hasn't had much impact on your day-to-day -day, uh operations but obviously it's had an impact on your day-to-day -day lives and what you can do uh outside of the label and outside of your home um but has there been any of those kind of like silver lining moments that you've had of things of like that have caught you know allowed you to kind of pause and reflect during this time um, over the last six, seven months? I mean, I'd say, like, we have gotten into running. <laughs> uh, and we always sort of ran a little bit. Um, we've done 5Ks here and there. But 
like we're really we're working right now we're working towards a half marathon and it's been challenging and rewarding and and exhausting <laughs> and my legs are tired uh but it's, <laughs> it's been great and it's been for me at least I, I, I don't know i can't speak for lisa but for me I don't really listen to music when I run. I just go and I just, it's something for me to like clear my mind and just reset. And it really like, not only just, you know, the physicality of it and like the adrenaline rush and what have you, but just, it just, it relaxes me afterwards. And I'm just, it calms me down and I'm able to focus a little bit better personally. Yeah. But, no, that's definitely been a positive. Yeah. And we've gotten, a lot of family time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, like, our daughter has really gotten into, like, horror movies in the past few months, and so we've had the time to be able to sit down and, like, show her all our favorite movies, and, like, we've been watching movies, like, almost every night. And Which is weird, and we were like, oh, this one's real scary, and she <laughs> would watch it, and she'd be like, meh, it was fine. <laughs> and for, like, for us, it was the ultimate was like, well, we'll work our way up to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> And we finally we were like, well, do you want to watch it? And she's like, yeah, I want to watch it. And so we watched it, and she was like, eh, it wasn't yeah. scary. And I'm like, yeah, it terrified me as a kid, <laughs> um, you know. And I watched it probably at the same age that she is. She's 11, so it's like, yeah. So I well, I just watched it. Oh, go ahead. I just watched it with my college age daughter about a week and a half ago, and we we felt the same way. We were like. God, I remember this being. I thought this could be more scary, but it was actually okay. I mean, it's terrifying, but oh yeah, it didn't like it didn't creep me out like when I was younger and I watched horror movies. Well, I think for me specifically, like I'm from Texas, and so growing up in oh, Texas, yeah. you see towns like that, and you see, yeah, you know, you don't see chainsaw wielding <laughs> murderers, but you see, you know, that kind of people, uh, you know, just these weird sort of like country folk. We're just like, where did you come from? Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> but it's for me. It was like that was the real part about it, where you're like these people that just live out in the boonies, <laughs> like they're just cooking people up and slicing right. them up with chainsaws. Right. You know, you just hope kid. your car doesn't break down when you're driving out in the, right. in the countryside, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but she hasn't been scared by much of anything. Nothing I has moved the needle. She's got a like. It's been unfortunate that she can't do the like sneaking around behind her parents' back, you know, watching the scary movies with her friends on sleepovers. Yeah. So yeah. all of her friends and her sort of making plans for the future. But, yeah. The, uh, yeah, ultimately, if we had to sort of put a stamp on it, it's like we have gotten to appreciate, you know, being healthy and okay and spending time with our family. Which yeah, is for sure. What we're all doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm going to head into this next set of music, and I'm going to play something here from one of the most recent records that you put out from Naked Roommate, a band out of Oakland. I believe I said this just a couple weeks ago when I played it on our weekly radio show. I said, this is going to be a record that I'm going to bring with me every time I, I spin records out in public, once that happens again, because right. I think people will really enjoy that. This is like This was one of those bands I think is a great example of pushing out something that's pretty new because they only had i believe it was like a cassette tape or something yeah. like that prior to it so is it yeah is this, this is their first debut full length and everything right this is the first full i mean the cassette was full length-esque length but yeah. it's the first sort of like proper full length yeah 
Um, and, you know, Andy and Amber from the band uh, used to be in the band The World. Who, I don't know if you've heard of them or not. They're also from Oakland. And it's along the same lines. This is a little more like synthetic and, you know, sort of that robotic, you know, dance floor type stuff. But, you know, World was like pretty post-punk and skittery guitars and things like that. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of the cassette, and they just—I mean, Andy emailed me out of the blue, and I was like, "Yeah, let's 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 listen," and, and then we listened to it, and again, it was like, "Oh man, this is this is excellent." Right, right. Well, let's let listeners judge for themselves here. This is a track called "Mad Love."
I guess wrap up uh, the show here. I, I thought we would just take a little bit of time to discuss how you'll be closing up or finishing up 2020 and starting off the new year, 2021. Hopefully, a much better year ahead, <laughs> of course. But uh, anything that you can discuss in terms of what you have kind of wrapping up the year in terms of releases? I know you have a few things posted already and we can talk about those, but yeah. anything beyond that as well? Yeah, well, so the next thing out um, in a uh, week and a half or so is the new David Nance record called Staunch Honey. Um, and this one's like mostly him solo as opposed to the group record that we put out uh, a year or so ago. And uh, it sort of is like returning to the, you know, home recorded aspects of his earlier records, but it's just, it feels more fluid. And I mean, he's a genius. So like the songs are just fantastic. Um, so that's coming out on the 13th. And then two weeks later, we're doing a record by a Chicago guy named Mac Blackout. And he's been, you know, sort of in bands around here for a decade now. You know, Functional Blackouts and Daily Void, and he was in it's been Mickey. Uh, but this is sort of like <clears throat> a departure from all of that. It's a essentially it's a spiritual jazz record, but it has aspects of like minimal electronic pop, like mini pops or suicide and things like that. Like it's really like there's some real like stark aspects to it, uh, but it has a very like hopeful vibe. I don't know. It's it's a weird one and it's really great and i yeah, mm -hmm. hope you dig it but he's just an all-around artistic like yeah. his visual art is amazing and his Very music amazing. is amazing and he's just a nice guy and it's an honor to be able to work with him yeah and then aside from that there's three more which i think you had mentioned before three more explorer series cassettes coming out hopefully at the same time um which is the armageddon experimental band which is another one of max projects um this is sort of a, a trio and it's very like dense uh psychedelia like amon dual 2 but like on brown acid um <laughs> and then uh a new match s cassette which is essentially like a guided meditation cassette like 49 minutes per side um seven minute intervals of these different tones that you're one is an active mix and a passive mix and you're supposed to one you're supposed to do when you're doing things another you listen to when you're like relaxing um and there's a whole explanation in the liners but uh so that's coming out that's squeeze call um that's what it's called and then uh a new one by the powers rollin duo mm -hmm. uh, called nightland which is also excellent and I don't know if you're familiar with their other stuff, but it's... Oh, it's, yeah. That garden portal tape that they put out is fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like pull, pull, pull. It's great. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's a new one coming out, too. Uh, and then leading into 2021... Writing Squares. New Writing Squares double album, mm -hmm. um, which is gnarly and fantastic. <laughs> um, it sounds like you're tripping through a black hole. Um, and then uh, a record by a band from Glasgow called Night Shift. And I guess you would say that it's post-punk. Yeah. But um, it's very... If you like Naked Roommate, you'll probably yeah. also enjoy this. Not that they're okay. too similar, but there's a vibe. There's a vibe. Yeah, this is a little more mellow and, I don't know, nocturnal maybe? Yeah, definitely mm -hmm. very 
cool and we're excited about it. I think people are going to. It's really great. Like it. yeah. And I'm excited for people to hear it. Um, and aside from that, those are the only two like hardline things we've got set in stone. Mm -hmm. There's like a new fax record in the works. There's a new mountain movers record in the works. All those. Yeah. 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 Is there kind of like, I mean, do you have in your mind kind of, or I shouldn't even say in your mind, like, since Lisa, you're the logistics person here, is there like a, a cap on like records that you put out? I mean, is it like 10 records a year? That's kind of where we're at. I mean, at this point, we do try and do like one a month. Uh, mm -hmm. And we sort of have like a big board where we sort of map everything out um, <clears throat> and like where they are. Yeah. And um, yeah, we try and keep ourselves sane at this yeah. point. Like one, there was a time when we were doing like... One year we put out 16 <laughs> releases in one year and that almost broke me. Yeah, and yeah. we were like, Mentally. never again. It's just yeah. not worth it. Yeah. I've tried to figure out how feeding tube records does it. They put like, they put like 60 records. How on, how on earth is that possible? It's insane. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, yeah, I have no idea how to do it, to be honest. Uh, Kudos to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, it's 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 not a it's not a hard cap, but yeah, it's sort of like like we hadn't intended on putting out the Mac Blackout record this year, but it fell into our laps, and we were like, oh, okay, we got to do this. Right. So there are instances where that occurs, where we're like, okay, we have these, you know, eight or so, eight or ten records that we've got mapped out, and but then invariably there's one thing at least that. Pops up, pops up, just which is it's it's nice to again sort of like be a little bit more conservative in planning and then be able to yeah take accommodate something, something like that yeah right. instead of like being packed and having to turn something down that you know we and have. also also having a little bit of flexibility I mean like I can't imagine having like hey this is what the next three years is going to look like into in terms of our releases like that would be like. I know as just being like an active music fan that I'd probably lose interest in that from just the listening side of it. So from a business side, it would be like, yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't be as fun. Do that. Well, it's impossible. We just yeah. know that bands don't love like having to wait a year for mm -hmm. their record to come out. And with pressing times, you know, being what they are, we just like to be able to sort of like get stuff going like as soon as we get it and keep it rolling. So. Right, right. Well, kind of ending on a slightly like music nerdy note here. I I know that from your social media posts that you do these like monthly in rotation playlists on Spotify. And I have to confess, I'm not, I don't use Spotify. I've never been on it. I don't know much about it at all. But I know that you throw on there not only things from your label, but just stuff that you're listening to. Yeah. So let's think the month of November, you're planning it. What are some things that would be making the cut right now for this month's rotation? I know this is putting music pe people on the spot. I'm sorry, Bill. I mean, I try to update it monthly. Let's let's be honest. Like <laughs> distractions happen, and there was a time it was like six months where I was like, oh god, I haven't updated the playlist in a while. Um, but let's see. Surreptitiously I'll scanned. just say yeah, that yeah. I know that you've not put one Grateful Dead song on there, and that's pretty much all I've been listening to for <laughs> 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 But he refuses to acknowledge its existence. I'm in my just life. waiting for you to get involved, man. Like, right. come on. So, songs in the playlist. What are you waiting for? 
I just know that my takeaway, how I'm going to write this up, is it's all going to be Grateful Dead and New Age stuff. So that's <laughs> we'll just say it's that then. I mean, it's not too far off, really. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Bill will not let us end on. <laughs> I'm not going to hardline commit to a Grateful Dead. I'm not going to do it. Um, I've been really enjoying that new Guntrishinsky duo on Three Lobe Records. It's a great record. Uh, the new Luke Stewart album on Astral Spirits, Exposure Quintet, is um, like hands down incredible, amazing. Uh, let's see. New Lavender Flu record's great. I'm scanning through my phone here also. <laughs> Uh, what have I been listening to? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, New Dead Sea is cool. Um, I like that Anna Roxanne record that came out a couple of years ago on Leaving Records, and she has a new one coming out this month, I think. On kind of that ambient type one. Yeah, right? it's like it's like really sort of like yeah, ethereal ambient yeah, stuff. Yeah. Again, it's <laughs> helping keep my head right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the new uh, Rags tape by Rachel Ags from Shopping that she self-released uh, is amazing. Uh, also, uh, no, that's that's all I can think of at the moment. Um, and the great and the Grateful Dead. We'll just put we'll finish it with that. Lisa <laughs> can add the Grateful Dead. To this Excellent. Yeah. Well. Thank you so much, you two. We're going to wrap things up here with a track. I, I suppose we'll call it the lead single or something like that from the brand new David Nance record. Mankato loves David Nance. We want David Nance to come back to Mankato. Well, thank you so much, you two, for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. So here's David Nance with My Love, The Dark, and I from his new record, Staunch Honey.
And that's going to bring things to an end for this installment of the show. I want to thank Bill and Lisa once again for taking the time to speak with me this week. If you'd like to check the complete playlist for this show, you can go to our website at freeformfreakout.com. There are links that will bring you to each of the releases played and where you can purchase a copy if you'd like. You can also get more information about Trouble in Mind by visiting their website at troubleinmindrex.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can always get in touch with me at fffreakout at hotmail.com. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another new episode. But until then, thanks so much for listening.